I'm Sam Seitels, and you are listening to The Pillars of Hamilton. And those of you who know me, you know that I love being a teacher. And I want to bring as many teachers as I can onto this show to find out why they are passionate about their craft. Unfortunately, <laughs> for some crazy reason, teachers like to ghost me when I ask them to be on this show. I've never seen anything like it, but teachers... Stop ghosting me. I just want to talk to you about the greatness that is educating. However, there was a teacher out there who definitely is not afraid to speak her mind. I'm talking about Bianca Herman, just an awesome person. I had an absolute blast speaking with her on this episode, especially the second half. The second half is just, it's very special, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Also, an open invite out there. I know that Bianca Herman has one of the coolest crew of friends in Hamilton, and this is an open invite. Girls, you know who you are. If you ladies want to come on this show and have a great time together, let me know. But for now, I know you girls are listening, so enjoy your awesome friend, Bianca Herman. listening to the Pillars of Hamilton. That's with me, Sam Sattels, and you want to know what I'm going to give them? Only the finest that Hamilton has to offer. The biggest blueberries you've ever seen, baby. And they're all here, right now. So this is, you're, you're going to be first in, in a series. Oh. But I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know how long this series is going to be bianca oh what's the series well the series started basically with you because oh. i don't know if you remember but we were talking and i yeah. was like i want to interview you like let's find a, a reason <laughs> yeah you know what it's really funny because when we were thinking of reasons i feel like we have a lot in common oh so we're both educators even though we're kind of educating it to different ends of the yeah. spectrum you are early uh, childhood and I am eighth grade pre-algebra so it's different worlds but um, we're also navigating this in a post-pandemic world which is very different um, we are both parenting large families huge families yeah I mean today they seem like huge families yeah um, we both have three sons and a daughters and our daughters are our youngest and you have the same yeah. Ratio. Same. Oh, mm -hmm. we do have a lot in common. Yeah. My boys are more spread out than yours. So I have a 16 year old son named Cole. He is a junior in high school. Shout out Cole. Shout out to Cole. I have a 12 year old son named Reese and he's in sixth grade. I have a eight year old son named Kent. He's in second grade. Wow. And you decided to do it all again. Yeah. Huh? We just kept going. And then, <laughs> and then Fawny Rowe, she snuck in there and she <laughs> shook things up. She is our one and only girl. Um, Fawn does shake it up. Oh, doesn't she, she does shake it up. She's four <laughs> and she is the boss with the hot sauce. Oh yeah. Oh she's yeah. That ghost pepper sauce. Dude, she's a lot of personality and she puts up with no crap. Um, she is, she can be a challenge, but I actually really love that about mm. her because I feel like, especially having, you know, to establish her place in a large family and, you know, she's got a brother who's 12 years older than her. So, I mean, she is constantly grappling for 
control. Oh, I never thought about that. And and I've got to say, as a teacher, like kids like Fawn mm-hmm. are the ones I, I really look forward to teaching because a lot of times, like by no means, uh, does she listen to everything we no, say? No, she's a challenge. She's challenging. And I feel the same way as a, as a teacher. Those kids who in September, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going <laughs> to do? I am going to have a heck of a year. And those kids end up being my favorite ones because when you find that that click and you make that bond with them, it's really special. It means so much. It does because you know that they don't just click with everybody. You know that they don't just do what everybody says. So that is super special. And a lot of times because of the personalities that they have, they go on to lead really interesting lives mm-hmm. because they they are not the same, not to call any kid a cookie cutter, but like someone who's, uh, who just marches at the, uh, by their own beat. Did I say that right? Marches yeah, to yeah. their own tune, mm-hmm. whatever. Like those are the ones who are creators and, and inventors and, and just ones who put together the shows or, or whatever it may be, whatever she's yeah. interested in. There's no doubt in my mind that if we could all harness whatever it is that's wonderful about her and there's so much and then teach her how to navigate through the tough co- times. Yeah, that's what, I, you know, that's what I really enjoy about her particular age is that when you get a firecracker, it's really not about quieting it it's more about teaching her how to direct that energy she and my oldest son cole probably are the ones that at times butt heads the most what it's she hilarious butts heads with the oldest oh my one? gosh well yeah because she's kind of like i mean you're you're not the boss cole you know it's it's fine i have to say what well, does cole do how does he handle that um i mean with a little bit of humor he he Listen, he gives it back to her and he's stern with her when he needs to be. I lean on him quite a bit. And also Reese, um, you know, they're a major help. But um, it's funny watching her because I think to myself, oh, my gosh, she is so challenging and she is so difficult and hard headed and stubborn sometimes. But someday I hope that I will be able to teach her how to take that and, you know, Put it towards Put something. Put it towards something. And, you know, like talking about what they'll be and what they're into, the only thing I really care about with my kids is um, they can be and do whatever they want. I want them to be people who stand up and when everybody else is standing by, I want them to stand up and I want them to speak out against things that they don't feel are just or fair or right. Um, And I have to say that I do see that quality in my kids, probably because they have this big mouth mother that they, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, so funny. It's in their DNA. Yeah, it's it's right in there. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a cool experience. And I'm sure that you see that with your sons and your daughter as well, that I have zero. It's literally four different personalities. Yeah. I mean, you think, oh, they're going to be like me or they're going to be like my husband, Mark. No, they are four different people. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, uh, going uh, just saying with Fawn, 
I remember last year. So we had a different school year last year, mm-hmm. and um, she's with a wonderful teacher, but also a, a new teacher. So someone who's trying to figure out for the first time how do I deal with this girl who's uh, <laughs> just not going to listen, who's mm-hmm. going to march to her own beat. And so uh, you wanted to make sure that uh, as we became the read preschool we normally are, that she would have someone who who's a strong, experienced yeah. teacher. And she's got that this year. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you something. When she is being difficult, let's mm-hmm. say difficult, I I think about you and I think about our conversations and I'm like, I'm not going to let this slide. She's going to know with love yeah. that this has got to end and I'll explain to her what their proper behavior is. But every single time afterwards, after like if it's gotten so bad where I'm like, Vaughn, this is it. Let's sit down. You know, she's crying. I'm trying to talk to her. <laughs> when you know what happens when it's over, like five minutes later, Mr. Sam, I love you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know. Because I think that she, I mean, in general, kids who have like this, you know, uh, hot fire, it overheats quickly and they don't even know. They don't know what to do with that. So, um, yeah, being able to kind of, you know, set your stern limits and not be, you know, that's, that's the hard thing about being a teacher and especially being a new teacher um, is... Mm. Like, I remember last year, um, the teacher that Fawn was with, um, she called me or I called her to speak about a very, you know, minor incident, but something that had occurred. And she was nervous to talk to me. Yeah. And I said, I was like, you do not need to be scared to speak to me about something that she did. It's fine. We'll figure it out. I'm on your side. I support you. I don't want you to back down from her. I don't want you to feel like, and and it's hard because we all have experiences as educators where we, you know, go to go toe to toe with a parent who is not cooperative or not understanding or not reasonable, and you know that they are, you know, advocating for their child, and maybe they're not seeing the whole big picture, or they, you know, it's never easy to hear something about your kid, right. you know? A lot but, of them go on the defense as oh, if we're blaming Very, them very quickly. Or- and I find that, um, and I'm sure that you feel this way too, uh, this culture of email, it's horrible for communication with a parent. Oh, I, oh, I mean, yeah. I feel like it's just so much easier. I think easier. Any, any type of writing. So much easier to talk to somebody and let them hear your voice and hear the genuine tone that you have and and sometimes even relaying to them, you know, look, I'm a parent. I, I've been through this too. I've been on your side of the table and, <laughs> you know. Um, you ever go there and it's like, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, gosh. That's all kind of new to me. You have a, a little bit older children. I but have my- been in that position where, you know, uh, one of my children when they were younger um, we had to go through child study um, child study team you know like testing for the need for special education or accommodations in the classroom Um, wow that was really for me as a teacher I felt like that was a very formative experience. Why? Just because you're on the other side of the table, you're receiving information about your kid and you're listening to the words and the judgments. Not, I don't want to say judgments, but um, 
the assessment of your child's abilities and inabilities and strengths and needs. And it's hard to sit there and hear those things, especially when your child is experiencing challenges. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. And it's heartbreaking um, because you feel like you're in a position where you don't have control mm. and you, you know, you want to just like love the the situation away and it doesn't work like that. And so experiencing that a long time ago, I always now when I have a a student who is struggling in any way, I just always think back to that. Like this parent is hearing what I'm saying to them and they are feeling defensive automatically because they want to. Are you able to, have you honed your skills enough where you can have them cool off within the first couple minutes? Yeah, I feel like I have learned how to speak to a parent and get them to understand. And sometimes it, it takes a story like that, like letting them know, you know what, I want you to know that I have been in your shoes right now. And I want you to know that I have, you know, had a child you know, have to go through this process and I know how this feels and I'm sorry that you're going through this. And I, I want you to know that you can contact me or you can, you can express whatever you need to express it. It really, but talking, you know what I mean? Like getting, I can't stand getting these things in writing is so tough. It is. You have no idea how they're reading it. Right. And when I'm writing it, like if I have to write an email, because there are times where you do have to have things in writing and have documentation. I mean, I obsess over it. Do <laughs> it's you? Like, oh my gosh. I just don't like even want to hit the sure send the button. Words. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, and then I walk away and then I go back and I read it again and I'm like, Oh God, that sounds really I know bitchy. It's I gotta not, stop. I, <laughs> I know it's not professional, but sometimes I'm reading and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, this could be misconstrued. Oh yeah. And then I like, okay, let me just put a happy face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I do that. Yes. Just let them know. Like, no, Little, this is coming from love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. Uh, so speaking of tough, let me let me go back to what I was saying before where I was saying, I don't, this is the teacher series and I am a huge fan of teachers. I, I couldn't wait to tell you this. However, I, I, I want all the teachers in here. Like I'm yeah. so passionate about this craft that. I want to bring everyone in and have them tell their story, their thoughts, their ideas on the future of education, whatever. Do you know that out of all the people I've invited, I've invited people here, they get nervous, they get excited, they just can't wait, it's their first time doing something like this, Uh, but everyone is just like, all right, let's just go for it, almost everyone. Teachers, on the other hand, who are supposed to be my people, they either ghost me no. I've been ghosted by so many <laughs> teachers here in Hamilton. It's you know what? unreal. I'm going to tell you why I think that. Please be real with me. I because need to know. there is a possible um, a possible fallout that can occur if you work in a public school district. Um, for example, um, we've had situations in my district, and I'm sure in many districts, where uh employees of the district will um, be spoken to about something that they maybe posted or shared on social media um, or just something that could be 
construed publicly as a diss against the district. Mm. So I think sometimes teachers are a little bit afraid to discuss what it is to be a teacher. Well, this is why I love you is because I, in my old school. Because I just say whatever. <laughs> you say whatever crap you want. Let me tell you, at my old school, the teacher, the principal tried being like that with me. You know, mm-hmm. don't, she was next level. Don't talk to the parents. Let me talk to the parents. Mm-hmm. You know, this and that. And I was like, do you not have any confidence in me? Like, I get where those teachers are coming from. But gosh, man, I want us to unite as like. If you're a passionate teacher, I don't care if if sometimes you post something that pisses some people Mm -hmm. off. Like, that does not matter to me. What matters to me is that you're going to that classroom and you're making the impact that you should be making. Mm -hmm. And if you are, I'd love for you to come on my show and speak your mind. But I do get it. Yeah. I I, I get it. People are afraid. I just, I can't stand that that's why they won't do it. And it's a hard time right now because there's a lot of things that people are not really feeling happy about in their in the profession or in their mm. jobs you know yeah i'm not it's a in tough a, time i'm not in a public school no so I, I know it's very different um uh i can just say that i right now i uh, i feel like the toughest part of my job is that i love being a teacher i like being a teacher but there are so many things that are part of my job that have nothing to do with me being a teacher. There's a lot of, you know, just peripheral kind of stuff. Um, And I feel like a major part of my job this year is behavior management. Um, You know, we, as a middle school teacher. Isn't that normally a a big part of your job? Well, yes, yes. But we have students who are coming back into a building after some of them were virtual, full virtual last year. A number of them were. Um, and you know, the year before that they were all home. So, so how has that impacted them? What, well, what because, does it look like? so for, for a middle school, okay. We're talking about, you know, which uh, on the record, adolescence. on the record, I've taught a little bit of middle school and I'm talking about the students I had taught in fourth and fifth grade. They go to sixth and seventh grade and I become their PE coach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. It's, it's tough. Oh my God. It's tough. <laughs> Bigger kids, way bigger problems. Oh, yeah. And it's really funny because in some ways, these bigger kids developmentally are like toddlers. I mean, if you think back to your uh, child psych classes, you're learning about like toddler development and then you're learning about adolescent development. And there are so many uh, behavioral things that are very similar, like this need to establish my independence. I can do it. I don't need you to do that for me. Um, this inability to, uh, you know, they're, they're bright and intelligent, but they're not reasonable. Um, so, you know, it's almost like a, a, a brewing tantrum all the time. It's very similar to toddlers. Um, but, uh, I think that the tough part is, as a middle school teacher, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, parents had to work. And there are kids who were of this age group. If they were able to leave them home, they they sometimes had to. I, I myself had to. Yeah. There were times where, you know, I had to leave my boys in the house without me. Um, 
And was that like a first? They hadn't really experienced. Well, no, I mean, my, my, like I said, my son's in high school. So, but never did I just leave them for an entire day, you know? Um, so a lot of, a lot of students, that was their reality. And they were in a position where, you know, we were treating many students who are children were treating them with adult responsibilities because parents Mm -hmm. had to work and now they're back in a building with tons of supervision and rules and you know dress codes and things like that and they're like dude I've been sitting on my living room couch wearing sweatpants and you know slides and you know a baseball cap and on my phone and now you're telling me I'm not allowed to have my phone. You're telling me that I'm not allowed to wear my hood up. You're telling me that I can't wear my Crocs. You're telling me that, you know, I can't wear pajama pants and you're telling me that I can't carry a purse around. Wait, so people are showing up like they're dressed at home, lounging on the couch? Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're, listen, they're showing up. That's kind of the important thing, right? Yeah, that is the important thing. And, you know, we're trying to get them back into the swing of things. How about the socialization? Horrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's getting better. But last year, I was like, oh, my gosh, these kids don't even know how to talk to each other. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they just were, you know, so isolated behind computers and the virtual thing was. It's got to be shocking. You're just, yeah. you, you have that safety of knowing no one's going to be around mm-hmm. to judge you. You're not. I actually made a, a decision in my classroom about a, a couple weeks ago that I am, I am going to not be using the Chromebooks as much as I had been. Are you, is that a requirement? Well, we do still, no, well, it is a requirement that we have a Google Classroom. Um, You know, we have students who are still, you know, in and out due to quarantining. So we have to make the, uh, we have to make the materials, you know, they have to be able to to access that. So what made you decide that? Um, They're not thriving that way. Um, and they're finding a lot of shortcuts and, you know, they're a step ahead of me all the time. So, um, you know, I, I want them to learn. And in some instances, you know, pulling away from technology is, uh, I, I feel like they need a break from it. They need a break from it. I almost feel like the kids should do the technology just to learn the technology side of it. But as far as literature and math and group discussions, like. You don't get yeah. meaningful lessons mm-hmm. reading text off of a computer screen. No, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, there's great things about it. I mean, if I have a student who's on vacation or a student who's absent because they're just, you know, sick, or or if I do have a student who's quarantining, it's a wonderful way to be able to share the information that we're doing in class, you know, in real time, and they have the option to stay current. Um, but in the classroom, it's, it can be distracting and, um, you know, there's a hundred different ways that the use of technology, you know, goes off on all these tangents and I can't be the Chromebook police all the time, oh. you know, so, uh, oh, gosh. it's, I'm pulling away from it a little bit cause I feel like they need, they need to learn how to learn different ways. So the technology piece is there. It's great. It's useful, but it's not the only thing. And we've leaned on it very heavily for the last couple of years. And I mean, it was out of necessity, but I think that we see now in the gaps that it wasn't 
you know, it wasn't the answer to the situation. It was the answer we had at the time, but it wasn't like this amazing, oh my gosh, look how great they're doing. No. It wasn't and it like that. It never will be. Mm-mm. It never will no. be. No. And so they need the interaction. Yeah. So I want to go to the way, way back. Okay. So let's go in the way back machine, Bianca. Woo, woo, woo. Yo, ow. <laughs> Wait, what's a, don't you have any sound effects? Like, oh, a, like I, wind or I something? don't know what they are, but here, let's go. Let's see what happens. Let's go on the train. Oh, it's a That's creeper a great, train. That was a great time machine. That was like a sound. sci-fi. Yeah, you're right, actually. That makes me scared of where we're going to go. Let's try it one more time. Let's go on the way back machine. Oh, I was yeah. just joking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, okay. Um, did you always want to be a teacher? What, what, what was your mindset when you were a kid? Um, when I was in middle school, I thought that I wanted to be a physical therapist. And my mom is a nurse. And so um, way back then, Kessler Hospital was the, uh, the hospital... Uh, so if you're on the White Horse Pike in Central Avenue, that building there, I think it's a, a rehabilitation center now. Oh, it's not um, a hospital. Anymore. It's not. It's not. Yeah, this was like a, a hospital. Um, they had an ICU. They had an emergency room. Um, it's near the lake. Yeah, yeah. So I know what you're yeah. About. So I'm just shocked. I yeah. didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So it was called Kessler Hospital, and my mom worked there, and she uh, <laughs> she helped me fill out the papers and become a candy striper and wait mm-hmm. what is a candy striper a candy striper is uh like a, a volunteer like a junior volunteer so um they had like a a volunteer program within the hospital and so huh. um because I was interested in learning more about physical therapy I was volunteering what started that did what? you know someone who was a physical therapist? Or? Um, I, I mean, through my mom, I knew people who were physical therapists, and I thought that it seemed like a cool thing, you know. Okay. And I liked I liked science and biology and, you know, so I you just You were kinda, into sports too, right? I was not. I, I was a cheerleader. I mean. You cheer, didn't do hockey or anything I didn't like do hockey. I I if I I feel like if I would have done hockey. You would have been in, so aggressive yes, and taking people would. down. <laughs> Yo, those girls got lucky that you decided yeah, to cheerlead. There was a point in middle school where I um, went out for, I don't know, like a, a practice for field hockey. And I liked it, but I had always done cheerleading and all my friends did cheerleading. And so I just stayed with that in high right. school. But anyway, um, I was volunteering in the physical therapy department and I very quickly figured out that patient care is not for me. Really? Oh, my gosh. My mother is uh, an ICU nurse for years. My sister is um, a clinical assistant at the ER in Hamilton. And so it's all in the family. All in the family. But that gene... <laughs> Just it slipped right me. by you, Yeah, huh? so like if my... What, what about it did you not like? I just... I don't... I don't know. Hospitals, the whole thing. Like if my kids vomit, I, I want to cry. Okay. Oh, wait. I am not even joking. So with you your, just can't deal with the I physical. Just, I can't. And I'm, I'm like a little bit impatient with people when they're sick and kind of whiny. I'm like, Oh, okay. We get it. You're oh my gosh. Feel good. I am on the same page. With I you. am not. 
Yeah, I, and I don't have. I can. I'm I can so glad sit, I'm not alone with that. No, I can sit with a kid who doesn't understand math, and I can talk to them for five hours about it and not get frustrated. But like, if you throw up in my bathroom, I want to go run out into traffic. I can't. What? Wait. <laughs> okay, hold on. Back it up because I can. I yo when I little uh, like all the time, kids fall down and they look around. Who's looking? Who's it's bad? And as soon as they see a teacher looking. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to really enforce, like, if you're okay, yeah. let's try to be tough, walk it off. And I've, if there's a real injury, we take care of it. If a kid really gets hurt, we have to handle that. But we also know that some kids like to play it up, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but throwing up, though, that's a serious, Dude. like, something's happening. Something's happening, right. But I, I don't know. It just hits a nerve. I remember one time my son Reese, I mean, he was really sick and he threw up all over the entire freaking bathroom. Like it was Mm. everywhere. And I was literally on the floor, like cleaning my way in, hysterically crying. Like, I mean, I was crying so hard. I'm like, oh my God, this is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And my husband's like, I mean, I'll do it. I'm like, it's fine. It's just so disgusting. It I, is. Is it not so... the grossest? Someone's listening to this eating their breakfast. Right. And to you, I am so sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's I, I. It's just that's like something. But I, yeah. I mean, I could change a hundred poop diapers, and it doesn't affect me the same way. You don't mind the poop. I don't mind the poop. Um, I don't mind a little bit of blood. Although one time my son Cole cut his finger really badly, and needed stitches and i literally didn't even look at his thumb i just put oh. a band-aid do you think on it's it? because he was your son or just in general no, i just didn't want to see what was inside that cut i didn't want to see a bone deep, huh? or oh i was like he's like do you want to look at? i'm like i don't want to look at that no mm-hmm. and then i called my sister and i was like can you meet me at the emergency room and she's like yeah i was like he cut it bad I don't even know how bad and I'm not ever going to know how bad. (laughs) And so she, he broke his wrist one time. Um, and I was like, I I can't look at this. Did it look funky? It was, uh, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was like definitely, you know, bent. It wasn't the way an arm is supposed to look. And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. His wrist, and I have to be calm, and I have to be nice to him because he's really in a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So I thank God for the candy striping program at Kessler because I would have been the most horrible Mm. physical therapist. I'd be like, get up and walk. (laughs) Just walk it up. (laughs) Just walk it off. It was just a car accident, man. (laughs) Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you know you have no vertebrae left. So bad. <laughs> so that so that experience lets you know, like, okay, this is clearly not for me. Not for me. So you realize puke wasn't for you. No. Yeah. Medical. You wouldn't be able to handle my job <clears throat> then. <clears throat> I mean, there's a little puke that happens as a teacher. There's a little yeah, bit of puke that, that comes happens. with the uh, job, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but you know, then uh, over the years, I just uh, I always felt like in school, I liked school. I liked being a student. You did. I, I loved school. Gosh, that's a big part of why I, I, I wanted to be a teacher. I liked being I, in I school. I loathed it. Oh, really? Oh, I loathed I it. I liked it. I liked being in school. I liked learning. I liked the social aspect of school. I liked so many things about school. And um, 
I just felt like I felt kind of comfortable there. And I felt but like. What, 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 what was the trigger? What was the light bulb? Um, truthfully, uh, in high school, I had a teacher um, who was a good teacher, wasn't a bad teacher, but there were things that we did um, routinely in class that I just sat back and I thought, this is so ineffective. Like, wh- what are we doing this for? What do you mean? Uh, just, I, I, I mean, like, for example, writing vocabulary words in a in a notebook oh. and, and defining <laughs> vocabulary words. And then, like, we'd yes. have these, like, these, like, pop notebook quizzes. And I would sit back and I would think to myself, this... This says nothing about my knowledge or understanding of this content area. And I just thought to myself, like, I thought of a bunch of different things that could be more engaging and beneficial to your future and just that would make more sense to me. You know, and that would make me feel more connected to what we were learning. And I didn't feel that. So was this due to this particular teacher's curriculum or just her style? I think it was the style. Okay. Um, And that's, you know, listen, that's cool. Uh, You know, I am sure that I have things that I do that don't click with every student. Well, how many students do you have? I mean, um, in the course of a day, I have uh, I have about 25 students in homeroom who they're not really my students that I teach. Yeah. And then I have three 80 minute blocks of math and I have about 25 or 26 students in each one of those yeah. classes. It's so, hard to find a style that works for every yeah, single one. Yeah, totally. Of them. And so more for me it's about having like routines and and predictability in the classroom and then students kind of know what they can expect from you know um and then just you know trying to find things if if a student is not, uh, you know, clicking with something specific that we're doing, trying to figure out, you know, well, what's, what's going to make it work for this group or this student. Um, but I feel like that was that I remember being a thing for me in high school, um, in this particular class. And I just remember thinking, you know, I, I really like school and I really like being a student and I, I enjoyed the experience of learning and I, I kind of want to be here all the time. <laughs> um, I never did. left. Huh? I never left. Um, and I did enjoy being in school and college. I enjoyed doing all of my, you know, little internship, you know, stuff where they send you, you observe, gotta, and- observe and yeah, you're doing like they sent me anyway. Uh, you know, I had to do a kindergarten. I had to do a fifth grade. I had to do a third grade, yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of me too. get a little bit special of special ed too. Did you do a special ed one? I didn't do special ed because Ooh, I didn't that- do a dual um, I didn't do a that is something program. special to uh, sit mm-hmm. and observe and it's a different world. It is. Bless their it hearts. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what's funny that you're doing this teacher series is uh, I feel like I'm in a transformative state right now. Really? And, yeah. Like I feel like I'm wondering if uh, there's anything else out there for me that would make me feel, you know, fulfilled is is teaching not 
making you feel fulfilled? Teaching makes me feel fulfilled, but teaching the way the public school systems work now, um, I feel like... I feel like the profession I'm in right now is not the one that I entered, number one. I started in 2003. And um, it has changed. You know, that that's true. That It has changed. It's not just like this post-pandemic stuff that we're talking about, which is difficult, but that's not really it. The profession has changed. So there were a few things that have happened over the years. One, uh, I remember when I guess it was maybe like around 2008-ish, um, I stepped away from the classroom for a couple of years uh, really? to care for my, oh, my right. children. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came back to work, uh, SGOs were a thing. What's an SGO? An SGO is a uh, like a growth objective for uh, your students, and they are... They are something that all public school teachers do in New Jersey. Is it just like a standardized test or? Uh, No, it is. I have to come up with a growth objective that my students will meet. And there are uh, measurements that we have. It's it's work. Do you have to do it for each individual student? Um, you, I mean, you can. You can do it for a group of students. But it was something that didn't exist when I first started teaching. And then when I came back, there was this whole new uh, evalu- teacher evaluation process in place. Mm. There was SGOs in place. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I don't know how to do my job anymore. I don't, I don't know how to do this. This, this is crazy. And it takes a lot of time. And, uh, you know, of course it's a source of anxiety for some teachers because you feel a pull to meet this objective as opposed. And here's the thing. And it, it factors into a, like a teacher evaluation score that you receive. There's like a numerical score that you receive. You get your grade. You're still getting grades. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I remember that year that I came back and I thought, oh my God, this, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't. Yeah. I don't even know how to do this. <sighs> it was really, really scary. Because it wasn't enough to just be a good teacher. It it had to, like, I had to be able to prove that. To whoever. Numerically, in a score, yeah. you know? It takes, and a, it takes a lot of human out of you. Dude, oh, it takes a lot of human out of you. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of, yeah. In my opinion, it's very lazy, too. Because it's almost like, uh, from the flip side, you're teaching a class... If you were to teach everyone the exact same way and you taught the same curriculum to every single student going down the line, you're going to have kids who fall behind because they didn't learn multiplication before they learned order of operations mm-hmm. or a kid who might not have uh, an emotional, an emotionally stable home. Uh, you know, these are, these are human things. Like not everyone's, not everyone's going to be in the gifted program. Not everyone is going to have an easy life at home. And so, so where I'm going with this is that as a a teacher who's passionate, and I, I, I believe that you are as well, you want to be able to go in that classroom 
it's it's like performing. It's like if an actor goes up on stage, they want to give their best performance mm-hmm. every single time. I know when I'm with Fawn and the other kids, whether I'm reading a book or I'm giving them one of those science lessons that your your daughter flicks me off at. <laughs> that was the best picture ever. Context, uh, we got a good photo of her giving me the bird while, <laughs> while I'm teaching a science lesson. <laughs> that was great. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, I want to give everything I have into those lessons. But I know... I know for a fact that if I have the man watching over me and I have to meet some kind of some some random numerical whatever that they who a lot of them were never teachers. They're just trying to run the show. Uh, they're putting something together for me that's going to make me feel anxiety. It's going to affect my performance because rather than trying to connect and worry about all the things that are important, I'm going to be worried about these numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that these things, I I know lesson plans are important, but in my opinion, like all these little extra things that take away from our time, take away from the lessons that we are teaching. And that's, uh, you know, that's sometimes where I feel like I get very frustrated um, because I can't be the teacher that I really want to be because I'm, you know, my time, listen, time is finite, right? You know, we, we want to think that we can do everything and we can fit everything into a day, but that's really actually not true. So time is finite. And in the course of a quote unquote contract day, there's a certain amount of time that I have with my students and I, I need time to prepare for that. You know, um, I need time to be able to, uh, review and assess their work yes. and be able to give them timely feedback. And there's just so many things. And it, and I want to point out that it is not a district by district thing. So many of these things come down from the state level, mm. um, you know, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I am in a transformative state right now where I am kind of learning about who I am. And there's a number of things that have gone into that. Um, You know, when we were talking about things we have in common, you know, obviously being a teacher, we have that in common, Uh, parenting large families. That is something. for sure. Right. Um, We've also both, you know, we're navigating life after the loss of a friend, right? Yeah. Major. Listen, this is major. People don't truly get, you know, you don't have to be a blood relative of somebody to be in a major way affected by the loss of a a good friend. And I know that you lost a good friend recently. Yes. Um, My co-host, my very best friend in Hamilton, Dan Morrow, passed away from uh, COVID a few months ago, and I'm still in touch with his wife and she's just he's such he was such a wonderful person you know the wrong person died that day and uh, yeah yeah and um, and you know and I lost my good friend Elena Lumberdelli um and she was uh I mean I feel like the the word friend isn't even doing justice here because I literally had been friends with her since we were in like fifth grade oh you've been lifetime friends lifelong friends lifelong friends i got to know elaine over a span of maybe four years Mm -hmm. 
and the way I've been touched by her and continue to be touched and, and just, she's one of those people who just make you feel comfortable yeah. and make you smile and you can't say anything but good words about mm-hmm. her. And she was a lot of fun and... Uh, you know, she and I and other friends of ours, you know, we had this group of women, um, you know, when, first of all, we were always a group. Uh, she was in my wedding. I was in her wedding. Uh, we were there for one another when all of our kids were born, um, holidays, Halloween parades, I mean, you name it, college parties, you know, partying in the woods in high school. Yeah, I mean, totally. Like, we were, and anybody that you talk to in town who knows me and knew her, they'll tell you when I think of Bianca, I think of Elena. When I think we were extremely close. Um, And uh, in fact, when I was coming here, I actually brought you this. What'd you get For me? two reasons. Wait, One, wait, first say what it is. Okay, so this is the Jersey Boys Jerky Elena's Secret Stash. It's like a wrap. Oh! Did you ever have this? I didn't even know that existed. Oh, yeah. So Elena was doing design work for this company called Jersey Boys Jerky. Um, and uh, in October, after she passed away one of her professional uh, colleagues, her name is uh, Maria Bompenza, she worked with the uh, owner of this company to uh, create this, which is Elena's Secret Stash, and it's a raspberry truffle mix. It's like a trail mix, and it Elena loved chocolate, which is hilarious because she actually had like a little chocolate allergy and she would break no out way. break out in hives. But it was worth it. But she would eat chocolate. So um Can we talk about that label? Yeah. It's uh pink and I'm assuming that is uh to to, to support breast cancer. Yes, there's a, a pink ribbon and uh it, I, I don't know exactly when in what went into this name, Elena's Secret Stash, but I can tell you that as a child, as when we were in high school, I lived very close to the high school, at, like within walking distance. And there were times where after school, if I had something after school, like a club, and she didn't, she would walk to my house. She knew where the key was. She knew the code to the alarm. And she would come into my house. And then when I would get there, she always found something to eat that I didn't even know was there. Like she would go through my mother's cabinets and there I'd be like, what are you eating? She's like, I found this Easter candy. I'm like, that's from six months ago. You're eating six month old chocolate. Um, So anyway, when I thought about coming here, I thought about her episode with you. Which we were talking about before. Yeah, but I would like to rehash that for yeah. the listeners. So I was thinking about her episode with you, and I remember her saying, so when her episode um, came out, I was in Ocean City with my family. It was in the summer, and I saw that it was like an hour-long episode, and I said, I want to go listen to this. Um, and I went into uh, the back bedroom of the house that my family was renting. And I buried myself away for over an hour and I listened to every single word of that episode. 
And for me, it was very special because I was living this situation with her, as were her family, her husband, her children, um, and all of our friends. Um, and I laughed because she she had given you something. Yeah, she said she gave me a, a quote. She said, "You never you go never go someplace with, with your, your arms, arms swinging." swinging. Yeah. So that quote is from our friend Monica Kemp. Yes. Okay? Yes. I remember. Monica me. always will say like, "Oh, Bianca, she came in here with her arms swinging tonight." Like if we have a girls' <laughs> night and I just walk in late, as I always do, she'll be like, "Up oh, here she is, arms swinging." So. Elena brought you something that day and said, my friend always says you don't ever go someplace with your arm swinging. So I thought it was fitting to uh, not come with my arm swinging and also to bring you Elena's secret stash because uh, she was always rooting around looking for some kind of junk food. Wait, Bianca, <laughs> do you have any chocolate? What's what's in your, what's up in that cabinet? So this is delicious. I, I love this gift on so many levels. I hope that you enjoy it. I love. I don't even know if I should eat it. Like you I, should eat it. Yes. And when you want more of it, um, there are so many places in town that carry it. Um, like I think all of the little Italian markets in town have it. Uh, there's a number of places. So look out for that pink yeah, label. Yeah, totally. It's oh. so good. You know, I only knew her. For three or four years like I said and the impact she made on me was immense like I said to you before before we started like I'm about 85 episodes in and I I just cherish the show I love the experience I get of getting to talk to people like you but hands down that that episode with Elena I don't even want to say is one of my favorites I'd have to say it's my favorite yeah um and it's exactly what I wanted it to be because I knew how special she was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that it was eventually going to take her because she was uh, in uh, remission. Um, but I wanted her to get her message out and just be herself. And like I was telling you before, but I do want to I want to say it on the mics. Um, I'm going to try to say this without getting emotional. <laughs> <sighs> um, I never answer the phones at school. It's always another teacher or Lisa. And just the other day, uh, the phone rang and uh, no one else was around. So I picked up the phone and there was Elena Lumberdelli's brother just expressing gratitude and letting me know that he doesn't want me to go around not feeling like that episode was appreciated or wasn't appreciated. He let me know that when he listens to it, it's like listening to his real sister as comfortable as she was and just getting to hear how wonderful she was. And, and uh, to be able to provide that for people. Mm -hmm. uh, it was I'm, a great episode. I mean, for me, I felt, you know, like I, you know, I would have listened to it even if it was a horrible episode because she was my <laughs> yeah, friend and I wanted to hear what she was, you know, talking about. Um, but I think a lot of people, uh, liked that episode because she was very candid about her journey with cancer and treatment and, uh, you know, also helping people preventatively, you know, helping them find preventative care. Um, the part where she mentioned that she didn't want to miss her kids stuff. It's still, Oh yeah, she didn't. Even when she was feeling horrible after treatment. So I don't know if you know this, but um, me and Monica and our other friend, Kim Duffy. Mm -hmm. and um, I our, love your crew, by the thank way. Thank you. You guys are wonderful people. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, Krista 
Galeota. Rodeo, yeah. Mm-hmm, rodeo, yep. Um, and she, Elena, had friends from college. She went to Towson, and she had this whole group of girlfriends from college. When she had treatments, um, we would take turns bringing her. So we actually had a schedule, and we, like, we would sign up for weeks and we would all go with her. Um, I mean, so many more people that I didn't even mention. There were so many people who took turns. And uh, when she would uh, get done treatment, obviously she was tired and, you know, she needed time to rest and recuperate. But like if Emma had a dance class or a gymnastics class, she was going. She's like, I'm, I'm not missing it. I'm going to go. I want to go. I want to be there with her. I want to see her do what she wants to do. Um, and we'd be like, you know, just, it's okay. It's just one class, like, you know, rest and then you'll be better for her tomorrow. You'll be better for Luke tomorrow. But she never, ever, ever stopped. And, um, I always admired that. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of what I was making mention of before with, you know, being in a, a transformation right now. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened and losing my friend, uh, which again, the, you know, saying losing my friend, it just doesn't even sound like those words like mean anything, but they do. The way you say it, it it means what it means. I, I don't want to get like emotional on, but, um, it for me has meant, redefining who I am because she was my friend for 30 years and when she was gone it was like for all of us it was this major hole in our group uh, a hole in my in my life um I mean you know just to put in perspective I lost my father I've lost all of my grandparents, and those are difficult losses. But to lose your 40-year-old friend, it's just a completely different experience. Very humbling, very sad. I mean, this you is... Can't, it's one of those things that when something bad happens, you want to look on the bright side and say something that 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 is positive. And it's one of those things that's like, there's it, this just sucks. It just sucks. And... uh navigating life after losing somebody who was a part of every single part of my life has put me in a position where I have been through many different stages of grieving and healing. Some of them involved a lot of anger. Uh, Some of them involved a lot of uh, judgment on others which is not fair, but, you know, it happens. Uh, Judgment of myself and, you know, how did I show up for her or the group? Um, You know, just there were some really low lows. Um, And then, you know, at the same time, there are times where we just think about things that happen and we laugh. But uh, it has definitely made me think about when you listen it's awesome having a girl group it's awesome having a group of friends but in some ways that like her loss and then that 
dynamic changing, it has also kind of been it, like it crippled me in a way because we always like aligned ourselves with each other and we were so close and we were so bonded, which was great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when Elena died, the Elena and Bianca, it didn't exist anymore. It was just Bianca. And I realized that if I was going to heal, I had to, I had to be able to know who I was independent of anybody else just know myself and not know myself as part of a partnership or a group but really know myself and I didn't I didn't really you know like I I needed to do a little bit of soul searching and what I've come up with is that I am (laughs) I'm learning about who I am and I I always thought that I was always going to be tied to a group of people and sometimes life takes you in a different direction and there's nothing wrong with that to doesn't to, mean you love them any less no not at all um like right now i am kind of quote unquote doing me and i'm walking my journey a little bit more independently um i love all of my friends but Everybody has their own families. Everybody has their own jobs, their own, uh, you know, sorry, highs and lows. And I, I need to learn how to exist without feeling tied to everybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? 100%. It's not a negative thing at all. And I'll never regret having... Uh, you know, a group. But some people's identities are being part of some kind of group. Yes, and mine was. I mean, I always was, you know, these are my friends. These are the people I roll with. These are the people I roll in with. And, um, I mean, I have a pretty, uh, you know, strong personality on my own. What? (laughs) But... I can't imagine why my teachers were scared of you. So funny. (laughs) Um, but I also, uh, I feel like I really needed to take time to get to know myself. Um, it's so funny. So a few months after this isn't funny, but a few months after Elena passed away, um, our, our good friend, Jason passed away, Monica's husband. Yes. And that was only a few months later, just like three months And that was another really huge loss for my family. The Hermans and the Camps were like great people. I I think about that every with every interaction I have with Sienna. Yeah, we did so much stuff together as families, holidays, everything. Um, It was a really tough loss for my husband. Um, Oh, they were friends. Yeah, you know, Monica and I were friends forever too. We're lifelong friends, also. And, you know, when she started seeing Jason and I was seeing Mark, um, there was, you know, a night at West End that happened. There was a lot of young energy happening (laughs) and (laughs) a little too much drinking. And there was a guitar and some stained that was, you know, (laughs) and a lot of laughs. And that was the birth of the Hermans and the Kemp's. Wow. And, you know, when, when that happened also, I, 
it was like, and then this is all happening during pandemic, like quarantine, shut down, no school. Right, it was okay. all Everybody was like locked up in their houses. Oh. So here I am locked up in a house with a job that I'm learning how to do all over again with four kids with, <sighs> uh, you know, wow. uh, two major losses. That is really heavy. And there was a day when I... Uh, I, I like just like hit a wall and I couldn't get out of bed. Now I have to say I've never struggled like with clinical depression or anything like that. But this particular day was very eye opening and scary. I couldn't get out of bed. And I told my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm holding on to like all of these tethers and I feel like I'm just getting sucked out into the ocean. And I feel like if I hold on to these tethers, I'm dragging everybody with me into this like dark place. And I also feel like if I let go, like I, I don't have any control over where everybody ends up. So it was like, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. And so then I sat in bed all day long and then I watched Eat, Pray, Love and did you ever watch that movie? No, that's so, Julia Roberts? Yeah, and it's, yeah, no. she goes to Italy, and she goes to all these different places, and she travels independently following, you know, a bad marriage. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I, I need to figure out who I am. I need to figure out, like, what is me, wow. not me as a wife or me as a teacher or me as a mom or me as a friend. Who I need is to, Bianca? Who am I? Like, can I even stand to do anything independently? And I went online and I said, I, I like Googled things to do all by yourself. And it was like this list of 40 things to do by yourself. And thing number one was go to a concert. Now it's like freaking July of 2020. There's nothing There's no to concerts. do. Nothing to do. So I... But I'm like, maybe there's something, like an outdoor something, maybe. So I research <laughs> concerts, and I see a concert for James Taylor in July. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like next week. I'm going to this concert. I'm going by myself. I bought one ticket. <laughs> I buy the ticket. I pay the astronomical fees that come along with buying a ticket to anywhere mm. it was like an outdoor concert in camden lawn seat i was like oh my god this is gonna be so great i love james taylor it's gonna be such a cool vibe i'm just gonna sit and think and be alone and enjoy this soft music and then i receive the ticket through email and i go to put it in my calendar and it was for a year later <laughs> <laughs> wait wait and, no wrong one hey and i was sitting here like so defeated oh my goodness gracious and i mean it was and i'm thinking elena is laughing at oh me right now god. she's completely laughing at oh me oh my god i was wondering i'm like there's no way no. during 2020 at that I, time no and way. i mean dude i thought i hit the jackpot with oh like james taylor god. in the middle of the summer I did not see that punchline coming. I, Holy cow. So, but anyway, that was kind of the first thing that happened that made me really want to kind of just get to know myself better 
And it isn't about being separate from anybody. It's just about kind of creating enough space between myself and all the other things that make up who I am that for a very long time defined who I am and just creating just enough space that I can figure out the things about myself that I don't even really maybe know anymore because I was married young. I had kids right away. I started working right out of college. We bought a house. Kids, 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 friends, weddings. And then you wake up and and it's like, whoa. And now I'm 42 and I've just been grinding for 20 years, right? And now I'm losing people who are so important to me. And I'm realizing that I defined myself by these relationships, which is not a bad thing. But- I also didn't have a definition for myself independently of those relationships. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just kind of learning that, Wow. you know, I, it's, it's a slow journey, but, yeah. but it's, it's also an interesting journey, you know? It's a journey that a lot of people aren't, aren't strong enough to even take, you know, it's, it's listen, like, I am, I am bill and i work at the corner office and i want to get my promotion and i want to make the boss happy i go home i sit on the couch i watch my shows and Mm -hmm. uh you know uh, and you're not you're a complex person you're a very big person and and like (laughs) your 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 personality is just like through the roof so it's like you got a lot to learn i'm sure but um uh, how is it going Are, are you finding yourself through this mission i am i feel like uh A big part of it was uh, giving myself permission to feel all of my emotions that came along with loss, Uh, you know, naturally, you know. I hope she's listening to this. Oh, she is. And she's listening to everything. She's she's communicated with us. You know, we've gone to mediums and things. You have? Always comes through. Always comes through. Um, so she's, she's very tuned into what's happening. Um, but you know, being when you're mourning and grieving and then remembering, and then, you know, your mind takes you to a lot of places you do feel, you know, you know, it's not always about remembering everybody and everything that happened in, you know, a, a perfect light. There's anger that comes through. There's, you know, just you know just emotions just a lot of things that sure like oh man did i really have to give him a hard time about that or yeah i'm totally. going through my own stuff with dan like you know yeah totally i should have just been a little bit better about this and right and also i mean i don't know what your friendship or dynamic was with him but there may come times where you think back on something and you might feel a little upset with him that he did mm. or didn't do something the way that maybe you would have wanted him to so that it would have maybe turned out differently or or that you know what I mean like I felt that way I have felt that way it makes sense with all the experiences you have together yeah and um you know this is just listen it's just feeling it's just that that is what a lot of people don't know how to do feel they don't know how to feel yeah they numb themselves everybody's so busy with you know, life, life. and, yeah. and there's this, but is terror- that life though? Like if you're well, not feeling, I don't is think that so. life? No, I think that in our society, we have a horrible, busy bragging habit 
where people, you know, wear their busyness as like a badge. And I mean, who cares if you're busy? Nobody. Everybody's friggin' busy. Nobody like, cares. <laughs> dude, nobody cares. nobody cares. I don't care about what busyness you have. Your busyness oh. is probably just the same as mine and everybody else's. We're just doing it our own way. It's just how you navigate through that busyness. Yeah. And when it's time off, how you handle it. Yeah. And, but, um, busyness is a really great distraction for feeling. And it's easy to stuff down things or save it for later and then later never really comes because, you know, you're, sure. you're busy. I Busyness. got those friends. It's always later. Well, yeah, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. And even me, myself, you know, I think, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk today. I'll do it later. You know, or, you know, I really, I've been, I've been trying to vacuum my living room later for a couple of days now. So, um, well, you're not lying. It will be later. (laughs) It's going to be later, much later. Um, but yeah, so that's what's been happening with me. And I feel like, uh, my, my loss of my friends, uh, was, the kickstart to that journey. And now I'm feeling that it's branching out into a lot of different areas of my life. And, and professionally I am, you know, figuring out, like, I don't dislike teaching. Do I want to teach for the next 20 years or 30 years? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's You're still times, figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I'm not going to retire anytime soon. You know, so I, I got a lot, I got a lot of years, <laughs> I got a lot of years yeah, ahead of me. There's a kid. Well, Young. but I also mean that I have a daughter who's four, mm. you know, I have four kids to put through yeah, college. You got to work. <laughs> I'm not, I'm <laughs> not going to make anywhere. that money. So I, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, if this is what I will always want to do. I know I said earlier that there's no silver lining that like, uh, you know, it just sucks. And yeah, it does. But I think if Elena is looking down, I'm sure she is very happy knowing that her very good friend is getting something out of this, that she's growing as a person. Uh, I truly feel that way because that's also who I think Elena was, was just someone who wanted the best for everyone that she loved. She did. She wanted the best for everybody. Um in different ways, uh, she has expressed to me and our friends that she wants us to have fun. She wants us to keep dancing. Uh, yeah, like yeah. go on trips, have fun, laugh. And we did that on Friday night. We went to um, a fundraiser called Toast Pink. Toast Pink. And so Toast Pink is an organization that raises money to help uh, patients and families of people who are uh, battling cancer, not specifically breast cancer, um, you know, all cancers. Um, Helping them financially, you know, because people sometimes have to back burner work. You know, and uh, and and sometimes it's not just the person who can't work. It's also, you know, if they are um, ill enough where they need a caretaker, then maybe a family member also has to do that. So this organization is really important. And Elena was involved with this. 
Um, she started out being involved with Toast Pink by uh, doing their branding. And then uh, when she was diagnosed herself, she became more involved. And Wow, she was doing it before she was even diagnosed. Before, which is wow. like super it's crazy. crazy, right? Yeah. It's just funny how it kind of came full circle. She was set to be in, I, I'm not sure if it was February or March of 2020, she was set to be the keynote speaker. Wow. And we were all going to go. Unbelievable. And then in the end, they, they postponed it because of, uh, they postponed it because of COVID. Um, and then she, you know, sadly she lost her battle. Um, and they've postponed it a number of times because of COVID. And so just Friday night, it, that was happening. We all were originally going to go in 2020 and we all went on Friday night and it was a great time. And in, a number of different ways. She was definitely there dancing with us. Are they going to do it next year? It's annual. Is yes. there a boys invited too? Oh yeah. All the husbands came and I want to come to the next one. Yeah, 100%. you totally should. It's, it was a lot of fun and they had some, you know, ticket raffles for items and some silent auctions. Oh, that's wonderful. It was great. It was just a great night. We are running out of time. Okay, let's do wow. it. Wow. Normally I do two of these. Go ahead and pick out point to one chat pack and I'll read it to you. <sighs> that one looks okay. interesting. I don't know what it is. Let's see what you got. Okay. All right. This says, if you had a great voice and had the opportunity to record a duet with any singer, any singer <laughs> living today, whom would you choose as your partner for recording? Okay. Um... So I have to first give a disclaimer. I don't have a good singing voice. I'm at all. shocked. I, I have a great speaking voice. I was going to say you are a great. Your voice sounds great, but you can't but bust out a note. No, huh? I can't. But when I'm in the car, I feel like I sing the best duet with um, the the female singer from. Um, oh gosh, why can't I be? Uh, her name's Amy something. Uh, it's not a... Uh, starts with an E. Why can't I Amy think... Amy Winehouse? No, no. God, I don't like her at all. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wait. Um, oh, no. Uh, uh, oh, God. This is killing me. It starts with an E. Famous the band starts with an E. Famous musicians with the letter A. Oh, God. I'm not going to come gonna take forever. I mean, what are you doing? A. Aretha Franklin. No! Ariana Grande. No, 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 Adele, no, no, no. Aaliyah, Amy, Amy Jade Winehouse. She's number five. No. Uh, what's the band's name? It starts, it starts with, an e? with an E. Why can't I think of this? I'm I'm answering this horribly. I don't know. Wait. Yeah. You know, what's the name of the song? Is it Amy Lee? Amy Lee. What's she from? I don't what know. band is Amy Lee in? <laughs> I don't have that information for Jeez. Amy Lee. Evanescence? Oh. Yes. Bring me to life. <laughs> I, so, that was horrible. That was a horrible answer to that question because. <laughs> it was like, not a bad answer. It just I'm, took a long time. It took a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I'm in the car and I'm listening to music, I basically do a duet with everybody. They don't even know it. But when I hear her, she just has such a cool voice she rocks out she really is and she has a beautiful voice but it's like 
a little edgy and yeah, it's such yeah, a it's cool, cool. Yeah, I love it. And I feel like I belong next to her. <laughs> I want to hear this duet, <laughs> damn it. You don't. <laughs> you don't. And Amy, I'm sorry, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> for anybody who has ever heard it. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I love singing to her songs. Uh, nothing like a cool girl rocker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What station do you listen to in the car? I haven't listened I haven't listened to radio in a decade. I just listen to I I, I I listen to Spotify, so as I'm listening to the people I've been listening to for a gajillion years, yeah, yeah. sometimes to recommend new bands. Well, we have Sirius in the car, um, like XM, and uh, there's uh, 90s on 9, which I listen to that a lot. Love and then also uh, the Lithium Station, which is kind of like 90s I have heard that station. Yeah, I love it. It makes me feel like I'm in high school. Yeah. It's people always so go great. back to their high school jams. Dude, I cannot break free from it dude you have such good answers let me pick out one more for all right, you. All right. Or you pick it out and i'll read it here okay. we go oh you don't get you got you got a little extra last time but this time <laughs> it's on the fly if you could be guaranteed that one item think about whatever you own at home if you guarantee that one item you currently own would never ever break wear out or you know just get lost which of those items would you choose that is such a hard question. Is it? Are you, you don't have any materialistic thing? That- I live in a shoebox with six people and three cats. I know. And nothing is ever where I think it is. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever where I left it. <laughs> and I am constantly resigning myself. All right. I, I don't know. I guess I just don't need that thing. So, uh-huh, but uh-huh. if I had to say one thing that I couldn't do without, it would probably be um, right now, it's my hot brush. Excuse so, me? <laughs> I'm bald. So I have, <laughs> I don't know what a brush is. Right. So, I have this. It, plugs in it's almost like a flat iron except it doesn't clamp down on your hair it has bristles it heats up like a curling iron or a flat iron and then you run it through your hair and it like straightens your hair i straighten lisa's hair sometimes and i think i use that yes so i i like my hot brush um it's it's kind of my go-to tool for just kind of, you know, getting a little zhuzh. Yeah. yeah it up a little bit. So yeah. that's kind of my thing. Here, I was I thinking can... you were going to say your old stuffed animal from childhood. Or... No, I do still have that. Yeah, but the brush comes first. The brush. Listen, <laughs> the brush is very important. When you find what works, you don't want to lose love that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Bianca, you're, you are so cool. This has been, and I love talking about your teaching and even more. I have an idea for you. Oh. Have you ever been interviewed? Many times. On this podcast. Never. I feel like you are creating pillars and you're a pillar. You think so? Well, I think that you're trying to recognize people in the community who contribute in some way. Yeah. And I just love talking to By the way, I don't consider myself a pillar. I don't think half the people do that. I don't. I feel like if you're looking at a bridge, there's always that one pillar that like maybe got hit by a car. It's <laughs> <laughs> like dented or like the screw came loose. And That's it's really you? not holding anything up. It's just kind of independent. It needs some repair. It needs a little repairing. But, um, are you that pillar? 
I am that pillar. Like I'm standing up, but, but I don't know if I'm pillar. holding up the weight of the bridge <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, that would be cool. You should have. Uh, Who do you think should interview me? I think I should interview you. You want to come in and interview Dude, me? Dude, I'm going to be like the Alec Baldwin of Pillars of Hamilton where I show up. Like he goes to SNL all the time. I'm going to be like. 50 times on this. Listen, I would normally say no to someone. I would just be upfront. Like, I don't think it, if you were the one interviewing me, I would be interested in doing that. Dude. I think that would be fun. I, yeah. I think that, especially because in this town, like everybody knows everybody. I know. It's yeah. Um, you're not a lifer. So people don't, I'm an NFT. Yeah. Not from town. Hardcore. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Well, I like the NFTs. We yeah, need a well, little bit of that. Yeah, no, we need a lot of that for sure, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, so you're you mean to tell me you had such a good experience today that you'd want to actually come back here and, and flip? I the script? feel like I would be an amazing interviewer, and I think that you need to sit in the hot seat and answer some of these chat cards. And- <laughs> <laughs> See what I've been doing no, to people. Yeah. I mean, I think people would be interested in hearing about you. I mean, you're always posting all of this like crazy stuff on Facebook, like I am? the wrestling thing. Yeah, jujitsu, like like, pro wrestling. Yeah. yeah, you like. I guess that does seem kind of crazy if I step back. And I'm like, dude, is is that? Did he do that? Was he like? Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're selling it to me I for think sure. We should do it. Okay, so we might have. I don't want to say a part two, but a whole different kind of thing. I so love it. Let's talk about that uh, off script, but for now on script. Is there anyone out there you'd like to give a shout out to before we head out? Always want to give a shout out to my husband who's holding it down back at the ranch right now with all of the kids. Uh, Always want to give a shout out to my kids. They're amazing. They are just four very cool people and I'm glad that they're mine. Um, Shout out to my mom and my sister and my family who are always there for us and Definite shout out to my girlfriends um, because, you know, I, I've i leaned on these people a ton. Monica Kemp, Kim Duffy. Monica Kemp is like my PR consultant. and I always thought about asking to have her on my Kim show. And Kim is like my spiritual guru. She's the best, right? <laughs> and Elena was my uh, designer, you know? Mm-hmm. She, uh, she was... Uh, Always in charge of the colors in my life. What makeup am I going to wear to this event? Help me pick out paint for my living room. What color should I paint my front door? So, uh, Do you think I should interview Monica Kemp? It, it would be a good interview. It would be. I've always been very interested to do that. Yeah, so. she's, uh, she's had a very, professionally at the very least, she's had a very interesting, yeah. uh, unique uh, professional experience. She's got a lot of cool stuff she's done over the years. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, this was fun. Yeah, you totally are, fun. Thanks uh, for bringing me here and giving me a reason to get out of the house a little bit. Hell yeah. So let's see if I can figure out the right but. Oh, no. Oops. Hey. Of course, it's sad. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for my good friend, Bianca. 